Good morning, and welcome to the December edition of Black Book Talk. I'm Patricia Welch, Librarian Emeritus, and with me today are Emma Jackson Ford, Bookwoman, and Obi Hill, Community Historian. And our special guest for the day, we brought him back again, is Charles Hanna, one of the co owners of Third Eye Books, because this is a month when uh, it's a month of giving. And of course, we always think the best thing you can give is a book. The wonderful thing about Third Eye Books is that there's so much more crammed into this small location in Southeast Portland. So we want to learn a little bit more about, you know, about the store, how long it's been open and just what it meant to be the proprietor of a black bookstore in mm-hmm. Portland. So, Charles, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. And I appreciate the opportunity to talk about the store and the business. Thank you so much. First of all, Art, do you have top of mind like at least one or two recommendations of books or audio tapes or whatever that you know people should be keeping an eye out for and thinking about uh, well, as they're preparing to yes, do yes, holiday giving? Well, well, one of the hottest books that is flying off the shelves right now is Michelle Obama's uh, second book, The Light We Carry. This book is getting ready to fly off the shelves left and right. This came out the start of the month. So we're really looking forward to maybe one day hosting an event when she comes to town as being the bookseller for this book. So that's what we're putting a lot of energy towards. If she comes this way is that we will become the bookseller for this event. But I've been selling a ton of these. Also, Imani Perry's South to America won National Book Award. She's the award winner for top book in the nation right now. So we have these in stock. So definitely, this is a good introduction to Black history, a little bit about Black folks has been going through the last 50 to 100 years. So this is one National Book Award right here. And also something cool I like to bring is a different type of cookbook that's really hot right now because people are using food as a liberating process is not just a bunch of recipes that's been handed down. It's a process about how people are using food to utilize themselves, to free themselves economically, uh, nutritionally, spiritually. So these brothers and sisters have a lot of information packed in this one little cookbook. So those are top of the three books that are really jumping off the shelves for us this holiday season right now. Being in this book, business right now as we enter the last quarter of the season. I'm so honored and blessed to talk about what we have done already. And I think it's, and I keep reminding myself and people remind me that it's just me and my wife. We don't have a staff. We don't have a team. We have a team of paid people. We have an accountant and all those things. But as far as who's running the bookstore, it's just me and my wife. And I was just looking at the list of the things as I was preparing for this interview of all the things, appearances we have been doing this year. So far, I'm up to like 27 different types of appearances, opportunities we've had to share people about literacy in Portland, all the way from video appearances on people's podcasts, people's uh, cable information shows, pop-up vending events, uh, My People's Market, Black Community Science Night, Mississippi Street Fairs, you know, the things where we're going to help we catch people. And that enabled us to give out over 5,000 information cards, these four by six information cards about our store and where we're located at. Because I tell people, you know, 2518 Southeast 33rd, right off of Division, 
It's probably one of the blackest parts in this neighborhood right now. And we're lucky to expand into a second location in this neighborhood. So we want folks to come on down and to experience it as being centered in this community. At the same time, literacy and children and bringing people together is one of our primary focus. And I'll just talk about our last event we had in, back in November, where we had a, a author come in from the East Coast and she wrote this book called Dismantling Racism. Uh, we had a workshop in the community, about 20 people showed up. It's not how many people show up, it's about who shows up. And what we're seeing now is there's a lot of people with power, influence, money, whatever you wanna say, and they're being in a position to say, oh, we need to have books. So I'm identifying a need. So that night I was able to connect two nonprofits to some people who had money to buy books for the holidays for children and things like that. So, and then they're gonna utilize our store to get the books. So it's a win-win for the community and things like that. So a lot of people are starting to get reinvested into what literacy can do and the power of books and things like this. Also, I'm excited to that. Portland is a growing scene for authors who are getting some national recognition now because mm -hmm. Renee Watson, she is back and forth yes with the 1619 Project and some other books I'm seeing, you know, she's from Portland. She's tearing up the scene right now. She just wrote the book, Maya Song. She's really happy about that book. Of course, we got Mitchell Jackson. You know, this brother yeah. won a Pulitzer Prize. So Portland, all that stuff. This sister, Kim Johnson from down the road, down in thinking Salem. This book is tearing up the scene. Another sister from here in Portland, Kisa Jose's No God Like the Mothers, just being reprinted into a second edition where she won an Oregon Book Award winner for fiction in 2020. So these are folks in Portland who are writing books and they're inspiring me to sell their books. But what they're doing is letting other folks know that people can get on a scene. So, you know, I, that's another show we can talk about is the <laughs> how many authors who are writing books now but it's not as simple as, hey, can I put your book on my shelf? Because you said yeah. anyway, we're so small, but we're proud to have local authors. We're proud to support national people who come from here to talk about literacy and books and things like that. Great. And you've named some folks who are favorites who have actually been on our show. Mitchell, Renee is a favorite. Mm -hmm. So, yes, you have all the good stuff. What, what Renee did didn't see what we're realizing is who we are and what we are. We are in a marketplace that has the world's largest independent bookstore. So if you're a book publisher, you want your author to come down there and sell books there. It makes sense. So we're not fighting against that, but what we're seeing is Black authors, including Renee, uh, Erica Huggins, when she came down there on her book tour, initially they scheduled for, you know, uh, Powell's bookstore. But what mm -hmm. these authors are doing is says, I want to make it a point to come down here to Third Eye Books. And so what, what Renee did was come down here on her day off and sign every book of hers in the entire store. And this, it was just me and her. We're just talking. But she signed everything in here. And she went through her other appearances. Same thing with Erica. What did Erica do? She said, look, I'm going to come in a day early. And I want to set something up at your bookstore. And then I'll do Powell's bookstore. Hot at the dog. same time, it's just us letting folks know there's a there's another alternative, you know. So we're still small, we're still little, 
but these type of shows gives the opportunity to talk about what black people are doing here in Portland. Yes. I know you have new books, but do you have gently used books also? That that's a market that's we are looking to explore. But far as time and space, we don't do anything used right now. Uh, it's just because the market is so big in that. I would love to get some gently used Dr. Ben books, <laughs> you know, oh my gosh, like that, yes. so we can start spreading the information. And that's what I want to do. Look to somebody who wants to take up on that challenge because there's a lot of books in my library that I need to recirculate because I can't read everything. And I'm up to a point where I need to get these books out here to affect other people's lives. Like these books have changed me. So maybe that's a project down the road that we can look at a used book market or something like that. Kwanzaa is coming up. Do you have a, a section of Kwanzaa books there? Or are there yes. any new ones or you have some of the older uh, books? Right now, as far as Kwanzaa, I'm looking at, as I'm talking to y'all, two Kwanzaa displays. Last year, we invested a lot in Kwanzaa books, but nobody came down and bought the Kwanzaa books and the Kwanzaa supplies and things like this. Sad to say, and, I, and I'll say this, our people are very notorious late shoppers. So we'll get a pe people call uh, the first week or the second week. So we have two displays. We do have some children's book on Kwanzaa on and currently in the stock right now. We've been, we keep Kwanzaa books 365 uh, days a year because we celebrate it all throughout the year. It's just not an event for us. I know that, you know, you're doing, you, you have your Kwanzaa this way, but I'm wondering how do you, in terms of, of, of marketing products, mm -hmm. do you do special promotions centered on holidays, especially events, or, uh -huh. or what, what kinds of special things do you do? How do you make that decision? Well, we're doing some special promotions for like the Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday. Uh, you say you spend $100, you save 20%, you save $200, you send 30%, things like this. We don't kind of target particular books per se, unless they're mm -hmm. like current books that's real hot and things like this, because frankly, I don't have the staff I don't have the, the manpower. And what we realize is that we don't want to send out emails every week to people marketing our store and right. things like this. Because what happens is people will unsubscribe. People will get, because we want people to get excited about author events and things like that. So we don't have the capacity to promote every book in the store. But, you know, so we just kind of signal around events like Black Friday, Small Business Saturday. And even with right. that, sales have been real low because this is the economy and state of the being right now. So that's how it is. I know you said your space is small. Yes. But is there enough space for browsing uh, spots to sit down and kind of go through the books when you're visiting? Yes, I have a place. We have a chair that we can pull up and things like this, but we don't have a, a waiting area or anything like this. So. There's a lot of elders who come to the place. I, I, what I say, people who have more seat summers than me, who have seen more summers than me, so they can come in. We'll find them a chair somewhere to sit down. Obi, you've been to the store. You can let her know how it is, man. Uh, are you going to do some bookmobiling during that time, going around the different uh, sites and uh, projects? Yeah, thanks. Great question. Yes, uh, we just purchased a truck that's part of our bookmobile campaign. We're going to probably... Uh, by the trailer portion, but what this truck has enabled us to do is to 
put a bunch of stuff in the back and go to events. We have an event scheduled on Nike's campus on December 8th, where wow. I'm going to be putting a bunch of books together and coming out to the campus and, and selling a bunch of books to staff out there and things like that. So that's one of the pop-up events and stuff like that we will be utilizing the bookmobile for. Uh-huh. Charles, how long have you been in business? When did the store open? Uh, 2019. And usually, you know, businesses make it or break it in the first two years. So yeah. you've made it. This is good. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we put a lot of things in place. And like I say, folks like to read here in Portland. At the same time, you know, I will air this business is that I wish a lot of more people looked like me would come to the bookstore. Well, I was just thinking, yeah. you said 2019. Uh-huh. So, I mean, you opened your doors just as COVID opened mm-hmm. its arms. So the fact that you have made it through COVID speaks even, thank you. you know, more <laughs> nobly of you and your wife, because that would have seemed like the exact wrong time. And yet you are still here. Uh-huh. Yeah, we were, we were planning for this, but we didn't know it was going to evolve into where we are right now. I would say that no. Uh, the reception we have gotten from the overall community has been wonderful. It's just like in any other business, you know, you want your friends and your families, the ones you've known for 20 years to come down and celebrate your success. But a lot of people, and me and my wife had to realize this, a lot of people that we've known for 20 some odd years are not the readers that we thought they were, if that makes any sense. A lot of folks are still not coming to Southeast Portland. They need to, well, that's one of the reasons yeah. why we've invited you here again today. Yeah. People need to know you're there because yeah. if you're in a lovely neighborhood, yeah. but not necessarily like the stomping grounds yeah. for a lot of Black folks. Well, well, here it is. I would say this, sister. If, you, if I had a nickel for every time somebody told me, I'm going to come through there, <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, once you say Southeast Portland, once you say Division Street, I think right now, now, if I was out in the country, if I was mm-hmm. out in Cascade Locks, if I was mm-hmm. out in 213th, I, okay. think, I think it will, might be kind of like, hmm, that's probably not a no-go zone. But we're talking about 33rd and Division. You know, people pass, and, and, and this is always amazing. People say they pass the sign every day. And they know who I am because I'm no, this business is not a secret. You know, I kind of talk about what I do and like I say, who I get out and things like this. It just comes down to people just don't read books. What I'm trying to get across is, okay, if you don't read books, how do you access information? How do you get information that's going to help your life change to the better? It's just, if you had a granddaughter and your granddaughter wanted to become a doctor, how could you help her become a doctor? You can probably talk to her about her. You can go introduce her to a hospital people. But most people introduce young children through process of giving them books, books about young doctors, books about farming and things like this. Now I'm going to talk directly to my people, African black people here right now. I think we can utilize books to really get a point across about education, about images, like we've always done. We just have to get back into that mode of this is how we exchange information through reading and writing, Uh, not so much seeing it on TV, not so much seeing it on the video. It's a process of reading about it and then becoming it. Do you have gifts, giftware 
that's associated with books there in the store? Yes, we have reading lights, bookmarkers, journals, and things like that. Uh huh. Now the the uh, TriMet number two, the bus stops by there. So if a per people wasn't driving or what have you, they could uh, get over there that way on TriMet. Thanks for saying that, Brother Ob. Yeah, we have a TriMet. Uh, Bus comes every 12 minutes at that neighborhood. Our stop is one block away, both directions. So we want to help people get here. This is the product of just, just doing it process. There's a lot of folks who do ride the bus over here and we're very appreciative. We have a bike lock outside so folks can chain their bike up. Uh, we do have limited parking, but like any other thing, uh, if you want to go somewhere, you find a parking. I always tell people, I remember when I was going to parties, I would walk park three blocks away to a party and walk to the party. So uh, when people say they don't got no party, I'm like, uh-huh, we got parking. You just can't find it right now. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just having that intention to getting here. You know, you can make excuses all you want that we only have one space, but if there's a party, you find your parking space for that party. So I just want people to make this into a party. You know, th this may, it's a question for you, Charles. It may also be a question for OB because mm -hmm. he has certainly been in the book selling business, but there are, there are so many other things that you could have done, you know, uh -huh. other opportunities. Having your own business is just notoriously difficult, your own small business anytime. Why did you choose this? Why did you choose to, to be in the book business? Because you had to know that, you know. Yeah. I've been in business before this with myself and doing other things, but books are a great product to sell. Books are a product that sells itself. Books are a product that I don't have to know a lot about because people usually know about the product more than me, especially looking for the book. It's all about presentation. What we try to do here is to create an environment that me and my wife have always had one of a friendly, inviting, comforting. So packaging it all up into a product for sale was kind of easy. Knowledge and information. I've always been a, a book geek all my life. So it just one one together. Then my wife said, hey, I want to do this. I'm like, oh, we can do that. Then I say, we started off with one crate of books. Rest of it was t-shirts, body butters, and stuff like this. And then about 16 months ago, I made a sale online to a, to a customer that changed my life in the book world. So at that time, I says, wow, I can make a living doing this. I don't want to sound like I'm bragging. But I think especially people in our community need to hear that these are possibilities out there. Doing selling books, I made one transaction in selling books and made as much money as I made all in a half a year's work working for somebody else. I tell people it was a lot of it's a process getting it done, but it showed me the possibilities of what this could do for me and my family and my wife. And so right. the community, Portland's a, Portland loves good books. So we try to have those books available for people. That's what made it real easy for me to get out of that other game was do something I love to do. Yes. OB, you want to add anything to that? Because you've certainly been a promoter of books for a long time. Well, I'm just happy to see him carrying on a tradition. And I don't know if you have any entrees into the Portland public school system, but that might be a good source of mm -hmm. getting some younger people yeah. to uh, 
for required reading. If you uh, have contacts with some teachers who, who can agree to have certain books as part of their curriculum, that might be a way to go. Yeah, we're looking at that. And some other things we're looking at as far as literacy. Now, I don't know if you might find this shocking or not, but Portland Public only has one black librarian now in all the school system. Whoa, I didn't know that. That's your former employer. Was that the case when you were there? There were only about three, maybe four of us when I was in the system. Yeah. And that was five years ago. Mm -hmm. And so we're starting to see how much that influences book buying in the system. So we're trying to get to know those librarians who make those purchases. But the schools are kind of funny in Portland because they're funded through PTAs, they're funded through teachers themselves getting books and stuff. So we work with a lot of schools, classrooms, but the district is one of our big partners, one of the big fish that we're trying to catch, along with the city of Portland, along with Multnomah County, because they buy books too. And I, I, I grabbed Ted Wheeler's arm at My People's Market and told him, this is not gonna be a photo publicity. This is gonna be about business. You know, I gave him thanks for what he was doing, but at the same time, I told him we really need to talk because as a small business owner, the city can be doing a lot more to support Black-owned businesses, I, I really think. And that's just helping us out. And I'm not talking about no gifts or no grants or something like this. I'm talking about multi-million dollar purchases and things like that, becoming vendors for a long time. That's where I'm at right now. You know, we have about five minutes left and, and you... I think it would, we'd be remiss if we ended the show without just really get, talking about one or two more books. You, you yeah. kind of went through a number of titles that were good titles, but didn't necessarily say what was great about them. So I'm, I'm yeah. thinking, Emma, I think there was something you wanted to share or be if we could all share at least one book mm -hmm. that we think, you know, we really do want to recommend. So Charles, you are the guest. If you have all the ones you've mentioned, there's, yeah. One book that you think would be great, what would that be? Even Kende's How to Be Anti-Racist. This book has really opened my eyes up into the things that I support is in racist, racist policies out there as a Black person. Because this book forces you to make the decision if you're going to be anti-racist or live your life as a racist. So How to Be Anti-Racist is on the banned book list everywhere, but it's on the banned book list for a reason because it's got information that can help us free us from this thing of white body supremacy. So that'll be my recommendation for the whole year. OB? I encourage people to read any book about York. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been on a crusade for that. I got the, uh, the York virus. And if, <laughs> if you can get some of those young people to read that, because it's something that we all should know about. but has not been given the recognition and credit that other people have been given. The two books I was looking at. One, it's a, a tough subject, but it's, it's a book for children, for younger people. It is called Unspeakable, The Tulsa Race Massacre. Mm. The author is Carol Boston Weatherford, and the illustrator is Floyd Cooper. It's a Coretta Scott King Book Award winner and for the author and for the illustrator. 
and it's dealing with a really tough subject, but the pictures are beautiful. And so I would buy it for maybe a junior high age uh, student, probably no one younger than, than middle school. But the other book that I found lately that I just thought was such a touching book is called Nana Akua. And I may be pronouncing it wrong. It's A-K-U-A. It's Nana Akua Goes to School. It's by Tricia Elam Walker. It's about a, um, a time at school when the teacher asked the kids to bring their grandmothers and tell what's so special about their grandmother. And this little girl's grandmother came from Ghana and she had tribal markings on her face. And the little girl was worried that the kids might laugh at her grandmother or be scared of her grandmother because of the marks on her face. So the grandmother's really smart though. She brings this big quilt with African symbols on it. And she does something with face cream and brings stuff that she makes the kids feel comfortable and pull them into her world. And it's just a beautiful book about a grandmother and a granddaughter and about sharing our backgrounds. Just okay. got that book in, Miss Emma. Thank you. Okay. My book would have been the Michelle Obama book because I saw her on television and was, as always, impressed. But since that book has been mentioned, I'm going to mention another one. And this is just a coincidence that it's by the same author that you just mentioned, Emma. The book is called Standing in the Need of Prayer, mm. a modern retelling of the classic spiritual by Carol Boston Weatherford, illustrated by Frank Marson. This book just came out September 20th of this year. And basically it tells of, based on this hymn, it tells of the story of African-Americans in this country from the hardcover description. It says the classic lyrics have been reworked to chronicle the milestones, struggles, tragedies, and triumphs of African-American history. This inspirational book encapsulates African-American history and invites conversations at all levels. The target age is really picture book, but clearly I think, especially for anybody who is familiar with the song, it would stimulate conversation for us all, but equally important to me it is clearly a beautiful book. I am looking at the cover and the illustration of a young person. They have this Afro and in the midst of the Afro, you see all these images. I like books, especially for youngsters, but also for me, because I like art. I like books that look as beautiful as they read. And I just think that this book would be one. They say they're starting from 1619 and stretching more than 400 years. At the end of the book, there are descriptions of the people, the places, the events that are featured, along with a note from the author. So my recommendation for a book that I'd love to see under my holiday, whatever, table, tree, whatever you're celebrating, mm -hmm. is Standing in the Need of Prayer, a modern retelling of the classic spiritual by Carol Boston Weatherford, illustrated by Frank Morrison and published by Penguin uh, Random Houses imprint Crown Books for Young Readers. I think we have come to the end of our time slot. So Charles, one, we thank you for joining us again and reminding people that you are there and doing wonderful things. And I can attest that, oh, when you walk in, it's that wonderful feeling that you get in a bookstore. It's warm, you two are friendly, it's comfortable, and you have a wide variety of 
books and other items that are of interest. So I hope people give themselves the gift of coming to your store. Thank you. Emma? So look forward to coming out to the bookstore. A treat in my future. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You've been listening to the December 2022 edition of Black Book Talk on KBOA.